morning, everyone. My name is Kawai, and today we're going to be reading from the book of uh, Colossians, Second uh, Colossians, chapter uh, chapter two, verse six to nineteen. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of the legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm the pastor here. Great to be with you this morning. That's Jim Carrey, a very famous Hollywood actor. Um, His net worth is somewhere between $150 and $180 million. Uh, One of the most popular actors of the 90s and the 2000s. I wonder how you feel about watching him there as he talks about his spirituality. He says at the end there, some people will think I'm kooky for saying this. Maybe that's what you think. As I listened to him, I didn't understand everything he was saying, I'll be honest, but... He does sound really kind of spiritual, doesn't he? Like he's enlightened in some way. Not bound by convention, not bound by rules, not bound by the tags that we lay on ourselves. He's this great getaway. It's a place that's really serene amongst the nature. And there he kind of hangs out with all the greats, Krishna and Buddha and Jesus. He's found a way to be happy, to exude love. He doesn't care if that costs him a couple of friends along the way. But if you look at Jim Carrey, you think, there's a, a pretty spiritual guy, right? He seems so enlightened. Perhaps, perhaps, he's so right. And here we are, in Karaka Public School Hall. If you're going to have people away on a spiritual retreat, my guess is you're probably not going to book out this hall to do it in, right? <laughs> uh, but seriously, compare Jim Carrey to Christianity and... Christianity at times might feel like a bit of a drag in comparison. It might feel like it's dry and not spiritual at all. 
might feel restrictive. And you know it's not about rules, but sometimes it just feels like it is. And you know, church isn't always when I want it to be on. Sometimes on Sunday I don't want to get there. Why can't it be when I want it to be? And sometimes people at church are hard and I'd rather not be around them. I know that's not our church, of course. Man, that's the problem that other churches will have, never at our church. But and on top of that, they've asked me to be on a serving team, and I probably should say yes, but I really just don't want to. You see, compared to compared Jim Carrey to Christianity, and Christianity seems very different, and, and it can make you wonder at times, is it even really that spiritual? Uh, here at Trinity Church Paraka, we've been working uh, through a part of the Bible called Colossians. Uh, it's a letter written by Paul. He was a Christian leader. It's a letter to some Christians who were living in the ancient city of Colossae. There it is. It's in modern-day Turkey. And these guys, the Colossians, they were faced with all sorts of ideas about what it meant to be actually truly spiritual. Did it mean having special days and doing special things on the special days? Or was it about having great personal experiences where you get to see things and know things and nobody else does? Was it keeping up with the newest ideas and what really mattered for spiritual life? See, for the Colossians, spiritual life was like going to uh, a, a shopping centre food court. There's lots of options there, and you kind of just got to pick and choose which one you liked. Choose what suits you. And today we see Paul give a warning to the Colossians. He's aiming to rattle the cage a little bit. He wants to pose the question to them pretty forcefully. What do you think really makes for a spiritual life? And as we listen in on the letter, that's the same kind of question God wants us to ask today. What do we think it means to be truly spiritual, to live a spiritual life? Before we go any further, I want to say there's going to be a chance to ask questions at the end. Uh, so if you've got a question, make a note or keep it up here in your head. We'll get back to those. We'll have some time for questions later on. But let's, let's get into the passage today. The Bible here doesn't really hold back at all. It's pretty upfront about spirituality. So the first thing we see in the passage is this. Nothing compares to Jesus because Jesus brings spiritual fullness. That's the mouthful, isn't it? Nothing compares to Jesus because Jesus brings spiritual fullness. The part of the Bible that Kawhi just read for us, it starts by comparing two different options. One option is Jesus... And the other option is the different philosophies of the day. And, and the Bible says that nothing, none of these philosophies, none of them compare to Jesus. Only Jesus brings spiritual fullness. You see it in the way he describes the philosophies. What are they? In verse 8, they're hollow and deceptive. Hollow because there's no real spiritual value to them. They're, 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 they're empty. Deceptive because they trick you into believing them anyway, even though there's no value in them. Harsh assessment, isn't it? Why? Why does the letter go so harsh against these? It's because of what they're built on. Look at what it says. They, they depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. They depend on things of this world rather than on Christ. A few weeks ago we saw that everything in the universe was made by Jesus and for Jesus. That's the big claim of Colossians, made by Jesus and for Jesus. Now, if that's true, Jesus must be the foundation of everything. The way we see and understand the world, it must have Jesus at the centre, it must be founded on Jesus, or else, according to the Bible, you're living an illusion 
And that's the problem with these philosophies. They don't depend on Jesus. And that can sound all very uh, un-PC today, can't it? How can you say such a thing? But then again, Jesus was a kind of bloke who never really went by the rules of society. But in some sense, you're right. It can seem like such a narrow view of the world, perhaps a little bit offensive even. Because if you really grasp what the Bible is saying here, it's saying that anything but Jesus will ultimately be a dead end in life. Any spirituality that isn't based on Jesus is a lie that cannot give you what it promises. That's what the Bible's saying here. It might sound very offensive. It's not that the Bible intends to offend you at this point, though. The Bible is just making a truth claim here, saying that life and everything is about Jesus. And so if you take Jesus out of the equation, you never get things right. But, of course, the opposite is also true. That the way to have true spiritual life, full spiritual life, is to have Jesus at the centre. So look at what it said in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See, the Bible here is urging those Colossian Christians to, to live with Jesus as their Lord, with Jesus at the centre and their as their foundation. And he starts to use a bunch of metaphors there to make his point. He says it's like a tree that's got its roots in the ground. Deeply dig your roots into Jesus. Like a house that's being built, keep building your life on that foundation of Jesus. Like a muscle that's strong through lifting weights, keep strengthening your trust in Jesus. Life is all about Jesus. So if you want to be truly spiritual, Jesus has got to be what your life is on about. Uh, the question was before on the screen was, do you remember uh, what it was like when you were doing your final Year 12 exams? Uh, I remember what it was like for me. Uh, more precisely, I remember the night before my exam started. Uh, a storm hit, and it was ferocious. I'm a pretty good sleeper, right? But, but even I got woken up by this storm. Now, loud wind, heavy rain, and there was the occasional dull thump sound in the backyard. And I remember lying there half asleep and my dad kind of walking into the room and he says to me, there's, um, there's trees falling in the backyard, so just be aware. I thought to myself, I can be as aware as I like, but if a tree falls through that roof, it's not going to do much good for me, is it? <laughs> the storm kept going on and on and on and eventually, as a family, we huddled together in a safer part of the house. But the next morning, the, the damage was obvious. Trees fallen everywhere. That's the warning of the Bible here. Don't be tricked by what's deceptive. Get your roots deep in Jesus so that you don't fall over, so you don't make a mess of your life. Base your life on this truth that Jesus is supreme. And then we get this next reason why. <coughs> Verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You see what Jesus brings there? It's fullness, wholeness, completeness in life. 
And the passage doesn't really tell us much about what that fullness means yet. And that, that's intentional because what it's doing here is it's saying whatever we think we're lacking in life, whatever we really want, whatever we, we, we're looking for to make us whole, we only get that in Jesus. Or, or think about it this way. If you're living life with Jesus at the moment, but you're constantly feeling like you're missing out because you're living for him, actually that's wrong. Because the full, the whole, complete life is actually found in Jesus. So let me ask, what do you think is going to bring your life fullness, to make you whole? More fun, more money, more travel, more power, better relationships? Change in lifestyle, a stronger sense of your own spirituality. The claim that the Bible is making this morning is that you'll never really get there without Jesus. I wonder, do we really believe this about Jesus? I know, I know, I know a lot of us do. We'll say, yeah, we, 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 we trust Jesus, we're living with him, we do believe this. But it can be easy, can't it, to feel like we need to supplement our lives with Jesus plus something else. Just to get some more experience, to get something fuller in life. Jesus plus. Friends, we don't need any supplements. If we've got Jesus, we've got everything to be made full. Do we really believe this about Jesus? So the Bible here is making a big claim. It's saying only Jesus brings fullness. But here's the second thing for today. Jesus brings fullness because he gives life. Uh, I'm a horrible gardener. I tend not to do anything in the garden for a long time and so a whole bunch of stuff dies because it's been neglected. But then when I do get in the garden, I want to do as much as I can because I don't want to have to go out there again anytime soon. Uh, so when it comes to pruning things, I tend to prune a little bit too much and then a whole bunch of other stuff dies. My wife, Pip, she's got a plant living in my study at home and she has to keep asking me, have you watered the plant recently? And invariably I say, actually, well, no, I haven't. I'll go and do that now. Although this week I did water the plant because as I was writing this, I thought, I know what I need to do now. Um, but it struck me this week, as I was thinking about this gardening and the plant in my study, The Bible says we're a lot like a bunch of cut flowers that have been put into a vase. That's nice, isn't it? Let me explain. We're like a bunch of flowers in the sense that we look actually very good on the outside, pretty and healthy, life is going well. But the truth is, we're dead. Like a bunch of flowers, we might look very much alive, but that's not, we're actually dead. Look at what verse 13 said again. You were dead in your sins. See, the Bible is saying there's actually a great problem in humanity. But as people, we are made good. God does a good thing. He makes us good. But something goes wrong. We made a bad choice, decided to beat out our own path in life, decided we didn't want God, didn't trust God with our lives, didn't want God in our lives. We break relationship with God. And this means that we do lots of things that the Bible calls sin. You know, lie, cheat and steal, that kind of stuff. We, we hurt one another. We, we, we act toward one another out of anger, not love. 
we can now act out of pride and self-interest. And the Bible is saying here, because of this, we're actually dead. Not physically dead. I, mean, I can still walk around. I can still talk. I've still got blood pumping through my veins. But, but spiritually, we're dead. We're six feet under. But the Bible tells us that Jesus brings us life. He does this in two ways in our passage. Do you know that? Two things. Firstly, he cuts the, the fleshy part out of us. Uh, you see it in verse 11. In, in him, that is in Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was ruled by the your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now this is a touchy subject, literally. Circumcision was about cutting off a part of the body, a very painful part. And in the Old Testament, that's what men did to mark themselves out as belonging to God. Thankfully. That's not what the New Testament is talking about here. This is not a physical thing here, but it's saying that we've, we've had a different kind of circumcision, one where the part of us that's ruled by the flesh is cut out, the part of us that's given over to sin, the sinful nature. Jesus kind of does a great surgery on us and he cuts that out of us. And it's not saying here then that Christians have got rid of their sinful nature so they don't sin anymore. No, 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 we still do sin. But it's saying that Jesus has now broken the power of sin in your life. If you're a Christian, you are no longer enslaved to sin. It doesn't have the power over you that it once did. In your life, you can now resist sin. Because Jesus has cut that part away from you. He's given you a new life. But wait, there's more. I said there's two things that this passage talks about. Jesus cuts away that fleshy part of us, but then he also takes away the penalty of sin. He takes away the power of sin and he takes away the penalty of sin. Uh, Sin is wrong and God is just, so sin will be punished. But Jesus deals with that problem too. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, uh, He cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us he's taken it away nailing it to the cross because I was because I sinned I was in debt to God I was a condemned man but Jesus dealt with that he took away that punishment from me by taking that punishment on himself so when Jesus died it's not his moment of defeat it's his moment of victory that's when he releases his people from the penalty of sin. And so what verse 13 says is that Jesus gives us life. Look at verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Jesus gives us life. And notice, friends, that this all happened in the past. You were circumcised. He cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness. He forgave us all our sins. It happened in the past, friends. Which means that none of this, none of Jesus giving me life, it doesn't depend on me and what I do. It's not about my performance or achievements or my abilities. It depends on Jesus and what he's already done. And it had to, didn't it? 
Because what was I? I was dead in my sins. A dead person can't do anything for them. God made us alive. It depends on Jesus and what he has done. Are there times, friends, in life where you just don't feel good enough for Jesus? Where you feel like you keep letting him down? Or or like there's no way he could ever accept you, not after what you've done? Have you ever felt like that, friends? Take heart. Because the good news of this is that Jesus gives you life. And it's not that you have to be good enough for Jesus. It's that Jesus is already good enough for you. So friends, do you want to be truly spiritual? To have true life? Give yourself over to Jesus. So far, this passage has said nothing compares to Jesus because Jesus brings fullness. And he brings fullness because he gives us life, real life. And then the last little bit of the passage that we read, we're urged to live out that fullness in Jesus by not being sucked into the alternatives. And that's really just the third point for today. Live out your fullness in Jesus. Now, let me just read through those last few verses and make a couple of comments. Verse 16. Um, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. See, being spiritual there, it's not about your performance, is it? It's not about keeping the right religious diary or having the the special days and the right ceremonies. What's being being spiritual is about Jesus and having him at the centre of life. And so it goes on in verse 18. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Sometimes in life... You come across people who get all all excited about some very special spiritual experiences that that they've had or a special kind of spiritual connection they've made. And it might make you feel inadequate in life, like like you don't quite belong there. Maybe like you're a second-class Christian because that kind of thing has never happened to you. Friends, this passage is telling us, don't worry. Because... Being truly spiritual is not actually about your experiences. It's not about things like visions or dreams or, or this kind of stuff. In fact, actually, the Bible is telling us there's a great danger in those things. The danger is that you become proud, puffed up by your experience, and, and suddenly it's, it's all about you and not about Jesus. And you lose connection with Jesus and you become unspiritual. But being spiritual is all about belonging to Jesus. It's it's all about what he has done for you. So, friends, if you ever do feel inadequate about your spiritual life in this way, remember this. Being spiritual is not about your performance. It's not about your experiences. It's about Jesus and Jesus alone because he is the one who makes you truly spiritual. So I wanted to end by just making a couple of reflections then. We've been talking about spirituality and being spiritual today. started with that clip of Jim Carrey, and he seemed like such a spiritual guy in a lot of ways. 
But the Bible would say he's missed the point. Because according to the Bible, true, true spirituality is not about being a great enlightened figure and having all these different ideas. True spirituality is actually it's only found in Jesus. But like the passage says, there's dangers out there, all sorts of other options, things that get thrown at us, things that might seem attractive and alluring, that might seem enlightened. How do we make sure we continue to live our lives with Jesus our Lord, with all these other options that go on around us? Because like the Colossians, we too live in that world that's like the shopping centre food court. There's different options everywhere you go about what will make you spiritual. How do we make sure we stick with Jesus? I just want to highlight two things today. Two things. The first is church. Um, Church. Each Sunday, we'll unashamedly be on about Jesus. During your week, you're going to hear all sorts of ideas. Advertisers are going to try and win you over to their products. TV shows will try and open your eyes to a different set of values. Social media will bombard you with all sorts of stuff. On Sundays, when we come together, we just want to make sure that that noise dies down and that we hear the voice of God in the Bible. Friends, can I say we do this together? This is not a, a, a something that's just a personal thing for us as, each, as individuals. We do this together. I mean, we do something formally here where there's kind of one or two people up the front and most of us are sitting down and listening, but... But church doesn't end there. There's a time afterwards. We want you to stick around and we spend time together. That's why we do morning tea, to help you stick around. And Friends, let me say, make the most. I want to encourage you, make the most of Sundays. For most of your week, it's not going to be easy to talk about your faith life and the ups that you're going through, the downs that you're going through. For most of your week, it's not going to be easy to get the perspective of another Christian on the trouble you're facing or issues in your life. But here you've got someone else to talk with about what God says. Perhaps you might even find that someone else has gone through something similar to you and can give you some good advice, help you stick on with Jesus. I love it. Wouldn't it be great if we were a church where those kind of conversations were just normal afterwards? How good would that be? Well, it might even be that you're here today and you're not really on board with this whole Jesus thing just yet. Um, I want to say, really glad you're here. Welcome. We're so glad. We love having you with us today. Um, and I just want to encourage you as well, if that's you, you can make the most of Sundays too. See, my guess is that you're here today because you've got some kind of interest in Christianity. It might just be a little bit vague, vague interest, but you've got something there. You're curious to some degree. Friends, here's a room full of Christians. Um, if you've got questions, if you want to know what it's like to live as a Christian, if you wonder how it all started for us, please do ask. We would love to talk with you about those things. We'd love to get to know you more as well. So so whoever you are, make the most of Sundays so that we can help one another stick with Jesus. So we can help one another continue living with Jesus as Lord. That's the first thing. Second thing to highlight um, is personal Bible reading. Again, we're going to be walking through life. There's all sorts of ideas thrown at us, all sorts of different ways of seeing the world. What we need to do is to make sure we keep hearing the voice of God. We need to hear the words of the Bible as we hear God speak to us in the Bible. I don't know how you go with this. Maybe you've formed um, brilliant daily habits that are deep and rich. 
maybe you're struggling to do it once a month, let alone once a, once a day. And I don't say anything like this to make you feel guilty, because remember, being spiritual is not about how good of a Bible reader you are. Being spiritual is about belonging to Jesus. But we're going to be faced with all these alternative ideas, so I want to encourage you to listen to what God has to say. Try and find a way to listen to what God has to, to say to you on your own. That might mean trying to do a chapter of the Bible first thing in the morning. Or maybe it means popping your Bible app out on your lunch break and uh, going through one of the reading plans at your, uh, at, on your lunch break at work. Maybe it means getting an audio Bible and listening to a passage while you're doing the washing up at night and maybe trying to write down a reflection afterwards or something like that. There's a thousand ways you could do this. And actually, maybe that's a good thing to, to talk about with someone after church. How do you read the Bible? What, what's going on in your life there? But wherever you're at, I just want today to encourage you to push on. Keep hearing the word of God in your life. Or if you're at a point where you need to, take this as a chance to restart. Try and build that into your daily life. See, being a truly spiritual person is about belonging to Jesus. So in the midst of all these other ideas that get thrown around at us in this life, let's keep listening to what God has to tell us. That's what we're going to do here each Sunday. And I want to encourage you to do that kind of thing in your own life as well where you can. Go on, I pray, and then we're going to sing. Let's pray together. Our good and gracious Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. Thank you that he gives us life, that he gives us fullness. Thank you that we know what it is to be spiritual because of Jesus. Our prayer, great God, is that you would keep us listening to you. Throughout the week, we're thrown all sorts of ideas about what life is like. Amidst all that, Father, help us to listen to you and what you say so that we might honour Jesus and be truly spiritual people as we follow him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.